Welcome to another Radio Yes Cymru podcast. It's still 2021. It's still time for independence. Yes! Yes! Yes Cymru Radio. Radio Free Wales. Yes! Yes, it's me, Sean Jobbins, and with me today is Professor Calvin Jones, Deputy Dean of the Business School at Cardiff University. It's going to be a very interesting podcast. Stick with us. Yes! Yes! Yes, Cymru Radio. Calvin Jones, thanks for making the time to come to speak to us on Radio Yes Company today. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. There's a lot to discuss, and this is a big subject, economics, independence, which a lot of people are very interested in. You're very busy, obviously, with the, the school in Cardiff, and also a lot of people will be familiar with your work on Twitter if they're not on into the so much of the articles. Tell us briefly, Calvin, where are you from and what you do, and a bit of a background in terms of the field of economics. Uh, so I'm from the Rhondda. Originally, the, the proper one, the Ronde Vach, not the Ronde <laughs> uh, I grew up there through the 70s and 80s, so, you know, through, through interesting times with the miners' strike and the, you know, the deindustrialization, uh, and then left to go to for uh, my first degree and ended up working in various councils in South Wales for a decade before joining the business school in 1998. And since then, I've really looked at, well, I'm an economist, but particularly a regional economist with interest in Wales. So the stuff I've looked at, I've looked, my PhD is actually in tourism and sports economics. I've done a lot of work on energy, sustainable development, uh, poverty and inequality, all things which really reflect on Wales and its economic position. And that's really my area of interest has been ever since. So would it be fair to say, Calvin, that one of the reasons you've gone into this field and the interest in it in, initially was because maybe you want to see and to turn around what you'd, what you'd witnessed growing up in the Rwanda in the 70s and 80s? I, th- I think um, it's, it's easy to put retrospectively romantic um, <laughs> kind of visions on, 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 on where you end up. Uh, I think after ending up... Um, well, basically, I'm, I'm a failed rock star, a failed screenwriter, a failed novelist, um, a still failing playwright, and you know, given I ended up as an economist um, after careering around those those other things uselessly, <laughs> I, my 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 upbringing is certainly reflect how I think about e- economics. Yeah. I wouldn't say I deliberately chose to be an economist because I wanted to right any wrongs that would be over egging it. I think. Right, okay. But you're doing very well in the business. I mean, don't talk... You're a professor. <laughs> yeah, you know well, I mean? I'm slightly less crap than I was all the other stuff. <laughs> but, I mean, this, uh, it, and stuff you're discussing is very interesting. I mean, a lot of people who, we, we, I think we reshared and we tweeted something you said on Radio 4 back in uh, January, which you felt that independence now was the only chance for, to regenerate Wales economically. Mm-hmm. Um, what, why did you say that? Because, I mean, and you saw, if I remember correctly, in, in the discussion, in the interview on Radio 4, you said you'd this had come to as something of a surprise to you. It wasn't something you'd expected to be coming to the conclusion of. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think like quite a lot of other people who are um, kind of making this journey, you know, I, 10 or 15 years ago, I would describe myself as probably um, an internationalist socialist or maybe an anarchist uh, and and disinterested in, in ideas of nation state, really, um, as yeah. many other people on the left are. But of course... You know, I started a piece of work, I extended a piece of work in 2012-13 thinking about the ways in which regions develop or don't develop and, and and taking a slightly different view from other economists, certainly, you know, in, in that, you know, I looked at sort of hegemonic structures and the way in which power relationships between places shape outcomes. You know, yeah. I always use this example that if you look at North Africa now, 
you know, the fact that North Africa is a desert uh, is because of what the Romans did to it 2,000 years ago, you know, in terms of over-exploiting its agricultural resources yeah. and, and making it a desert. So you you, can't, you have to look at history and culture and how places interact with each other. And, and obviously, over that period, you come to a realisation that you can't divorce economic outcomes from from the position of nations and states and regions and nations within them. So so that's where I kind of came to the understanding that progressive politics is effectively impossible in the British state and probably always will be. Yeah, and I think independence is a vehicle for change. And also, you know, with political power, shifting political power from the southeast of England into Wales and hopefully further then as well, the shifting economic power as well. And I think that's part of the... The, the the reasons I'm in favour of independence because I want to see a political shift, which means economic shift. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's you know, I mean, I certainly think when critics of devolution, you know, um, look look to make hay, uh, they are correct in identifying the lack of any subsidiarity beyond Cardiff Bay as yeah. a critical issue. Um, and you know, you know, I I said in something I I. I I, I did it, um, I did an event with Labour for Indie Wales a couple of years ago now where I said, you know, what we've done in Wales is reinvent the British state at a slightly smaller scale, uh, you know, with a kind of relatively well-off southeastern corner with a very strong capital with all the kind of economic, political and cultural cards and everywhere else very much second best. You know, if I, you know, if I had my way, I'd probably end up with a... Um, <laughs> You know, Republic of the Upper Rhone de Vach. Um, I never liked people beyond Tyler's down very much, to be honest. I never trusted anyone from Botley Wife. Um, but, but, but the next best thing probably is some sort of, you know, a, a, a Welsh state, which would involve, in my, you know, if I was king of the world, as it were, yeah. um, you know, a heavily kind of um, cantonised, federalised structure, like, say, Switzerland has, where you have a lot of subsidiarity below that. Because I think even at something as small as Wales level, it's difficult to see how, again, as I've said before many times, how, how how you can have a unified policy, economic policy, which addresses the needs of, of, of Flint and Wrexham at the same time as it does Pembrokeshire. I just can't see how that can be done from somewhere like Cardiff. Yeah, and so not to British, the Welsh government, rather. Um, you know, Forest uh, isn't outside Cardiff, really. It's basically an extension <laughs> of Cardiff North, and especially Tom Gwynlais, when I see things I've located on Junction 32, mm. Uh, AM4, I'm thinking, yeah, yeah. that's cheating. <laughs> so, and, yeah. Yeah, and it's very interesting you say that about Switzerland because I was just going to uh, pipe in with a lot of articles written by Johan Bowen Rees, who was the father of Griff Rees, the lead singer of, um, of Super Furry Animals. When Griff said he, his father worked for the county council, he didn't tell people he was actually the chief exec of Gwynedd County Council. <laughs> yeah. But um, Johan Bowen Rees was a big fan of uh, Switzerland. And was making the same kind of arguments you you were making, which is basically we need to have an independent Wales, but within that there needs to be very strong uh, local, you know, if not regional uh, powers as well. Otherwise, as you say, we, that is the big, and it's, and it's a problem for the independence movement because people can say, look, well, what's been big change? There have been some good things. Uh, I live in Aberystwyth. We got the the Welsh government offices here in town, which is a good thing. It employs people, it helps local economy. But there's so much more that could be done as well. Yeah, I mean, if you look at, I mean, Switzerland's a good example. Obviously, we have very direct form of democracy, you know, with, with constant referenda. Um, you know, um, we're not used to that in other countries. Um, 
which, which does come with costs as well as benefits, of course. Um, and and yeah. if you look at somewhere like the Basque Country, you know, the, the, which yeah. is obviously a, a, in many ways a, a parallel to ways, in many ways yeah. not. You know, Basque nationalism is built up from the bottom in terms of three very strong municipalities, yes. um, and, and, the, and the regional government really, you know, collecting no taxes. Uh, you know, and, and and the Basque government being very much, you know, to some extent at the beck and call of, of the lower county council level effectively which is we don't really have in Wales do we we've got county councils which are very much you know as I always say we have the consensus politics in Wales but consensus of 19 rabbits and a polar bear um, so <laughs> a very, very particular outcome yeah I mean and with the Basque country obviously they got the the provinces with Gipuscoa and Biscaya and Navarre mm-hmm. yeah. and I'd say they're very proud you know and you know there's no way they would be giving away powers even to the next uh Province, not to talk about giving it to Madrid. Yeah, but you do see. But if you go to the Basque Country, I'm sure you have. You know, the valleys there are full of businesses, and it's there's there's work there. There's there's all kind of what I can see, and I'm not an economist. But you know, you've got factories, you've got also small businesses, you've got thriving local businesses, and they're very proud not just to be Basque, but also of their very regional area. And you know, they they don't like giving money away to people outside there and you know that, that means they have a very strong social structure or stronger i think and also stronger economy i mean they still produce manufacturing stuff yeah i mean that, i mean that's, that's i did some work in the basque country a few years ago and hope to be back there next year um the the, the basque country is really interesting because it has it, lots and lots of parallels with wales it's often held up as an exemplar and you know and when i came back from um the basque country you know, and, and people ask me what the lessons were for Wales. I, I said basically be Basque because <laughs> it's it's such a different place in terms of that marrying of enterprise with that with an idea of kind of the home, you know, and and, and, and yeah. the, the kind of you know, they have regional banks which which typically yeah. have, fun, have funded regional companies, don't have that in Wales. The Basques were chasing Wales with a H um, across the North Atlantic two and a half thousand years ago and we were you know, possibly, you know, living in huts is maybe a bit of a broad-brush statement, but we were nowhere near that that kind of dynamic, outward-looking, exploring culture, um, you know, the, the Basque crew. And what the Basque seem to have done somehow is they've taken shocks like the industrialisation under Franco and turned them to their benefit in a way that we've not managed to do in Wales. Yeah, and I would say one of the reasons they've managed that is because they've got strong um, indigenous mercantile um culture as you suggest and also in the 19th century but we had that in Wales but I think they've also because of Basque um, pride and nationalism call it what you want you know they will not give just money away to Madrid and they, they've kept the, the the floral powers which they had under the old um, the monarchy for centuries but they they convinced they can do stuff themselves and that's yes, what I yes. found and and they they're proud of that and they're proud to be different and you know and I think there's something to be said now about what's happening with New Zealand, where the the, the interest and the pride in the Maori culture, which has been, it seems to be embraced as, at least with a segment of the, you know, the the Anglo society, if you like, has given them the cultural space um, to be politically different. And I think that's what the Pas- yeah. Basques do because their language is different and they they pride of their food and the cuisine and everything and the sports. Uh, that gives them the space, I think, to think differently economically, whereas we tend to have gone with whatever is a dominant cultural idea or economic yeah. idea. It, it's, it would be interesting to look at what um, happened in terms of immigration into places like the Basque Country in the 19th century as opposed to Wales. So what we had, of course, was a massive influx of population. Um, yeah. And at a time when you had this kind of 
Victorian rebirth of, of our, you know, the Geisterwald and all that kind of yeah. new bards, you know, all that stuff. At the same time, you had a massive influx of people who were being trained in being, as I, as I was in some degrees, international socialists. Yeah. And I wonder if those two things, that kind of romantic Victorian art, Victoriana of Welsh culture, and then, you know, you've got the kind of, you know, the, the, the kind of the people of the mines and the steelworks coming in. And then, of course, you've got the, the existing rural, you know, um, yeah. landscape boys. And those three things maybe never lent themselves towards an integration of a culture which thought of as that proud kind of, you know, outward looking, yeah. we can do this kind of way, maybe some other place. Interesting, interesting, um, interesting over, overlay of those things. I've got a PhD student looking at some of this stuff now, so he'll report back to me on how that all works. I mean, I think maybe, that I don't want to go too much for the Basque country, but it's interesting that, you know, the, the Basque National Party, the PNV, was founded, I think, in 1905, so that's like a 20 years before Plaid Cymru, and if you like, uh, so modern nationalism before then, it wasn't such a clear mm. thing with Cymru V. I think that maybe that's, and that would have been just before, in a way, socialism really, really rooted in many places across Europe, including Wales. So, I mean, there was a chance then to maybe align both things in a way, which in Wales, I said, you had two quite different currents in a way, uh, yeah, which didn't quite connect. So, I mean, in terms of what Wales can do, so you think basically that uh, independence is a vehicle for change. The thing we can change, you know, we need to be careful of that. But what kind of things do you think, if, say, we had independence now, we could be implementing or what, what we should be doing differently? Well, I mean, I mean, this is, um, gosh, this is a million dollar question, isn't it? The, it is, yeah. <laughs> ev everything would be my, my very short answer. Um, I mean, and, and this comes from me, I mean, the other strand of my work, I mean, which has been over 20 years now, and is really the dominant strand is the stuff I do on climate change, resource depletion, right. and the need for a green transition. And again, that's something where I think is is next to impossible in the British state. And of course, it's, it's, it's next to impossible within an international capitalist system, which requires... Uh, a constant building of the resource base, a constant growth and resource extraction, and of course, you know, I think that, again, this is this is a tension which is which is hard to square. You know, this, this idea of a of a of a, a Wales which is independent there and therefore more inverted commas wealthy or prosperous. At the same time, as we know, that all Western regions from top to bottom are are too damaging to the environment to continue with their current level of consumption. So the idea of how, how we can build a deep green Wales, uh, one which is far fairer and one which respects planetary limits um, and, and, and offers opportunity to people in a way which is, which is not so materially kind of based, um, not so consumption based, that to me is really exciting because, you know, can countries can at least have those conversations. At the moment within a British state, you can't really have conversations about uh, what Wales should look like. So, you know, for example, we don't have a Welsh media, you know, so we, we, we can't have these complicated these discussions within, you know, with the best will in the world. Wales Online is, is, is not a place which is going to kind of delve into these kind of um, deep questions, I think. So, you know, for me, it's it's this kind of idea of of what can we do in terms of, enabling everybody in Wales to have a fair crack at a, at a decent life, at the same time as not building that life on the backs of poor people in the global south. You know, and, and, and those sorts of um, outcomes, I think, can only happen in a Wales which is divorced from, the, from, from, from Britain. And, and would you say that because what sort of the legacy of what, what the British state see itself as, uh, and that sort of creates a culture which this kind of debate is impossible? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, you, you know, you... you 
you can see how I mean New Zealand again. We come back to New Zealand and this yeah. kind of well-being budget and the idea that that New Zealand will be lots of environmental problems there. But but there's a space for some debate there. You can see how you know First Nations um, in Canada are t- you know taking the lead in some of this kind of um, this eco transition uh, because they understand the land you know, dif- differently to kind of you know Western incomes. If you like, it was a long time ago now. Um, and I think you know in, in Britain what you have is. Um, a nation, okay, sorry, a, a state, British state, which which is which has been built solely on empire, really. Uh, you know, yeah. you can argue whether whether was, was ever a colony or not. I'm not really interested in that. But certainly, you know, the the the, the wealth of the British state, our position in the world, is only is only um, possible on the backs of all the other exploited countries um, you know that have lived as part of the British Empire and so you can't build any version of Britain I don't think which is socially just because because you can't have social justice at home without having social justice abroad in the way you treat with other places and of course if you if you're sitting in, in the city of London now you know the profits that are coming back to the city of London are still from exploited resources in other places and exploited peoples in other places um, so that, that continues you know with a corporate spin now rather than a kind of a military spin uh, if you ever well, yeah and, and, and we've seen you know this week where they're talking about increasing the the, the nuclear budget and also because yeah. you know, possibly there's, a, there's going to be a war with China that's yeah, right. Which yeah. is I mean, which is you know, the idea right, that we are yeah. going to be a force in East Asia is frankly, um, you know, um, laughable, isn't it? But that's what we are. That's what we are. Um, yeah, and I think there's the, the group think with that. So you're listening to Radio Yes Company with me, Sean Jobbins, talking to Professor Calvin Jones of the uh, Cardiff Business School. So um, Calvin, you, you, we sort of believe that change which Wales needs and um, cannot be found through the British state independence is a vehicle for change. The kind of economy you're looking at, how does it actually work? How does it look, you know, from day to day? What kind of jobs are you talking about? Well, I mean, I think the um, if if we look at Wales at the moment, um, you know, we, we, again, we're, we're like a like a bit of Britain shrunk down. There's nothing any more especially interesting about the Welsh economy. We have a little bit more manufacturing than the rest of um, rest of the UK, but not much. Um, you know, I, I think we'd expect to see um, much less activity in areas which I would call kind of internationally traded uh, you know so it, it is difficult to see how in a in a in a genuinely responsible and sustainable way as we will be making wings for Airbus or tanks you know for the British Army in Merthyr, um and you know enabling international tourism certainly intercontinental tourism in the way that we do at the moment um, and I think that the uncomfortable reality of that is that if we had a higher proportion of our workforce engaged in genuinely well-being adding activities on things like health and social care um, and you know obviously you know, more local recreation maybe quite important given given our landscape uh, you know we would I think have um, much less money to spend abroad if you like even that abroad is, is the rest of the UK or, or, or the rump of England so the problem that I forgot whenever I talk to people I remember saying this to um, to uh, he replied Cymru about 10, 10, 10 or so years ago, you know, uh, and if you are selling a genuinely responsible vision for an economy of Wales, um, there are very few iPads in that vision. Um, there are very few uh, BMWs in that vision because, you know, um, when you when you are not gearing up to export internationally competitive products um, to the rich consumers of the world, uh, you don't have much export 
uh, earnings and, and you don't therefore turn that money into money you can spend abroad, um, which means that when we think about the sorts of things that the, the sorts of products which would be, you know, um, bought and sold in my in my vision of Wales, it's 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 a much more prosaic set, and that's quite a difficult thing, I think, you know, because that immediately opens up uh, in ways justified, uh, you know, accusations of hay shirtism and, and going back to caves and stuff. And <laughs> what I would argue is, we currently have a hypermobile, hyperconsumptive economy which needs to rein back, uh, and if that means um, that we don't all aspire to very large detached houses with two cars in the drive then that is just the price of being um a, a kind of a moral economy uh, so you know food growing as, as far as we can a much more wider variety of food than we can really do you know at the moment the vast majority of our landscape uh, is conifers that nobody can really do much with apart from make pallets from lamb that increasingly has no market because you know, um, the Europeans are not going to want to buy our lamb um, for much longer um, on the basis. But it's looking increasingly like we're going to have a no deal Brexit looming if they don't, you know, even, yeah. I mean, they may have ratified this by the time the, the, this podcast goes out. But, you know, our, our terms of trade with Europe look like they're going to get worse, not better. Um, and, and yet our landscape is dominated by one or two products which are of, you know, not necessarily what we would need to feed whales. So, you know, there, there are lots of ways in which I can imagine a whales which is far more communitarian, far more local, far more relocalized, if you like, where we do build products largely for a local market which have some export potential. But really, I think, you know, I, I'm thinking about not a post-pandemic world, but a post-carbon world. And in that world, um, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a more modest lifestyle. And it's easy for me to say that as a professor earning loads of money, I understand that. So redistribution is much more of a part um, of, of the Wales I would see as, as being an enduring Wales because, you know, it's just not fair that I'm sitting here on twice or whatever it is the, um, the national wage um, and other people have nothing. You know, so so it's a it's a fair ways, and that's a diff, that's a difficult ask for many people. Um, but again, it's a, and it's a ways where you don't just think I fancy a weekend in Barcelona, off I go. It's a ways where you might fancy a weekend in Bala, and off you go. Yeah, something, and but that is a hard gig to sell, isn't it? It's bloody awful, and that's why I'm not a politician. I had an argument again on Twitter was, you know, with somebody last week about this. Um, you know, my job as an academic who's looked at the evidence on things like um, climate emissions and consumption and, and, and human well-being and inequality for the last 20 years now, it's my job to say what I think is right. Yeah. Um, and my vision of what is right is not at all sellable. Um, but then, you know, you, 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 can't, you cannot divorce the way we live um, from the way that people live, um, you know, for example, in sub-Saharan Africa. I mean, the, these two things are intimately related. The, the smartphone I've got in front of me now, you know, probably has tin in it and coke down in it, which is mined by a 12-year-old kid um, in, in, you know, in a Central African Republic somewhere. Um, and and, and any, any vision of Wales has to deal with that head-on. It, it can't just shove it under the carpet and think, oh, it'll be fine. We just take part in all these structures. We reach on the European Union. You know, we, we, we call ourselves a fair trade nation and everything will be good because because these structures are coming down. And the quicker we appreciate that and the quicker that, for example, my business school stops me flying around the world, I don't fly around the world, but stops people like me flying around the world to deliver our great and good knowledge to benighted people in other countries, um, the sooner that we, we think about relocalizing my market, which is largely the international market for my students, the sooner we'll become 
a business school and a university and a city and society, which actually has some chance of surviving. Because I think it's that start. So, so I mean, just to, to, to for someone a bit top like me, what what kind of you know, we, you know, I understand that we're talking maybe long term here, but I mean, what kind of jobs are we looking for in independent ways? If that's the kind of economy you go into, I mean, so there's an element of uh, agriculture there, diversification in agriculture. So there's different skills there. There's an element um, that someone would imagine in terms of retailing those that, that merchandise as well. But I mean, what are the kind of jobs are we looking? At? I mean, I, I can imagine there's jobs to say in welfare we could be paying more for people doing the difficult work as you've seen with covid looking after people but that money has to come from somewhere i mean if we had our own central bank then to some extent we could be printing money uh, and controlling that but i mean how, what kind of other jobs are we looking at or how, how are we bringing income into the economy or well, am i asking the wrong question well no no it's, it's it's a very good question and and you know there's two points i'd make is the first that um is that we would be we would be bringing much less income into the economy if you think about um, so there's there's a really weird kind of um, thing that we we've built um, certainly since the 1980s which which basically says or oh, a nurse does all this stuff um, but of course a nurse is paid for by taxes and taxes are paid for by the private sector um, and therefore we have after lots, lots of private sector jobs with higher earners who can pay taxes and so the nurse gets paid there, there's nothing functionally different about somebody working in British Gas as opposed to somebody working in a hospital. I mean, I mean, the money is notionally private versus public sector, but the person working in British Gas only gets paid um, in the same way as a nurse would get paid. Um, the difference is that in the private sector, you know, you, you're in a notionally competitive environment where you are selling things to people uh, who need to buy um, um, gas. So you buy it from a private sector company. If we nationalise British Gas tomorrow, that person will be a public sector worker, and the nationalisation of gas would mean that I might no longer pay for gas at all. It might be delivered to me free and instead my taxes would go up a bit. So there'd be no difference in how much I pay for my utilities, but it would be delivered through a, a public sector mechanism in the same way as my healthcare is. So this private public sector kind of um, bifurcation, binary approach, I think is a, is a, is a distraction. We could nationalise the entire economy as they did, um, you know, in, in Soviet economies, and it might work a bit worse because we wouldn't have that competitive kind of drive. But people still get paid, but they get paid by the state. Right? So I think it's not, the money coming into the economy is the bit where you think about what we export. The moment there are people who work in Wales who bring money in because the goods that they they um, they sell us, you know, the goods that they make are sold by, say, British Steel, as was now, obviously, private sector, Tata, yeah. send yeah. parts of the UK, and that money comes into Wales and pays steel yeah. workers. So that's the bit of the money that comes, in, that comes into the economy, pardon me for scratching my share there. Um, we can direct our resources more towards healthcare, more towards food, more towards um, manufacturers for local use, um, and have no less money necessarily. It's a case of, you know, and, and if you look at the proportion of money that um, is spent by the state, that was much higher in the 1970s, 1960s um, than it is now. People were happier in the 60s and 70s than they are now, generally. People were paid, the average wage hasn't, the, the median wage has not increased since the early 70s in the UK or America. Uh, at the upper end, it's gone skyward, it's gone yeah, to the roof. Yeah. Um, so, so the question is, what kind of jobs do we want and how many of those jobs might be in the public sector, quasi public sector and private sector. You know, now you could, for example, um, 
turn over the um, entirety of the forestry estate towards things which employed more people because there's, there's you know um, very much lower um, employment on the forestry estate than there are in many other parts of the economy because it's very um, uh, highly automated and you know the, the choice to do that would be a choice which would end up maybe with um, a wide variety of recreational uh, biomass um, and food growing on the forestry estate which currently just has trees on it you might have more people involved in that and then that money would lead to a different set of products some which would be sold in the private sector some which would be subsidized by the public sector forestry is already subsidized and those are all choices and there's no kind of um to me, clear difference between that happening and what we have now, which is largely monolithic, um, single activities going on across a large part of the Welsh landscape, uh, which may be market or or public sector directed. Uh, what you have is, I think, an unwillingness to think about the ways in which you can direct the economy. And so, you know, nationalisation of social care would be a good example of this. You could nationalise social care, increase income tax a bit, uh, increase the wages of people uh, in social care to living wage, put decent career progression in, so you'd have a notionally poor poorer economy because people are at less disposable income because they would be more of it would be taken away. So you'd see the income in the economy go down, but people would have much happier ends of life because they'd be looked after by people who were decently paid, had decent career progression were treated like nurses rather than like, you know, um, people who were not worth um, a, a decent wage. And so you make those different choices. And I think that, you know, at the moment what we have is a relatively marketized choice compared to some other countries um, where we end up with, if again, if you do well, you do very well. If you do badly, you do very badly. So, so just thinking, trying to bring it to the local, well, two questions to begin with. Um, so is, is the Welsh domestic economy, if you can say that, big enough to, to compass this kind of vision you have we're not, not, no, absolutely not. And the reason it's not big enough is because, um, you know, when I, if I look down my uh, monthly expenditures for my household, I've got stuff on there like uh, Virgin, which I think I got a couple of kids, so we got all the, all you know, yeah. kids' channels, big broadbands, hundred pounds a month. I got Netflix, and what tenner a month? I, you know, I don't currently do like a like a Spotify type thing, but I've another tenner a month. Uh, all my gas, uh, you know, leaves or ice green gas. It goes off to Dale Vince and his Ecotricity, but that leaves Wales as well. Um, I put petrol in my car and all that money goes to the UK exchequer or to uh, oil com- oil countries who supply the oil and if you could do the list of all the things we spend are big you know, banking yeah. repayments for mortgages how much that stays in Wales and the answer is almost none right yeah. so under that system no the Welsh economy the domestic sector is not big enough to, to sustain the sort of vision I, that I'm looking at however if um, if I was buying renewable energy from somebody who had a turbine outside my house and it was community owned, um, if I was um, borrowing money from a Welsh bank uh, and the margin on that money stayed in Wales, um, if I was going down the pub, um, you know, oh, God save us, I can't wait to go down the pub again. <laughs> if I was going down the pub, and, pub? <laughs> and, and paying to watch a local band rather than doing the Netflix thing, that would be another tenor that would stay in Wales, um, that didn't go outside Wales. And if you add up all the things that we can really do unthinkingly, unthinkingly, if I, instead of buying, I, I don't buy, you know, again, you know, if I, rather than spending a thousand pounds on a new smartphone every two years, if I spend a hundred pounds on a smartphone and spent 900 pounds on a holiday um, in Pembrokeshire, that 900 pounds would stay in Wales. You imagine adding all that up, 
right, for every household in Wales, all the money is diverted to, in, and increasingly so, given what's happening with platform economies like you know, Google and Apple and uh, Netflix and Just Eat and all these companies sucking value out of the Welsh economy and every other economy regionally, and that's increasing. If you think about all that money that currently leaves Wales, most of it never to return, and thought about that being directed to local products and services, what's, what's the ambition then? And anyway, that's an interesting um, marriage of, you know, the local pride, if you like, um, creating to some extent some kind of a, uh, strengthening the indigenous culture, if you like, so doing stuff locally and, and so there could be, uh, which by definition would then be kept local in any case. Um, but it means for a big change, doesn't it? Well, I don't underestimate the, the, the difficulty of this because, of course, we've, yeah. we've spent the last 40 years being trained to be good consumers. So, I mean, the, these are very big ideas, Calvin, and I can sort of understand it works globally, but I mean, people are asking, maybe if they're listening to the podcast, how does it work locally? What does it mean for the economy, say, in the Honda, you know, in Penrith, Dejeth, or whatever? Well, I mean, you know, I think we've got a similar source of jobs, but a different balance. So at the moment, you know, you might be looking at, um, I don't know, want, wanting to stay in, um, Bala or you know, or Tylerstown, or you want to stay in Llandeilo, um or somewhere else, and the options for local jobs are quite limited. You know, you could enter, um, could have entered, you know, a council job years ago, but they're not taking people on. Uh, you you could enter maybe social care, you know, or, or construction. But those jobs don't necessarily have much of a career progression or decent working conditions, um, decent safety in some cases. And I think it's about rebalancing so that we are we are rewarding those activities which genuinely add well-being, in the case of construction, genuinely add potentially to climate resilience. Uh, we're rewarding those so that people feel they have a they have an ability to take a job local to home, which, you know, which, which they can they can see building a career from and having opportunities from. Um, and it, that may mean nationalising social care, and it may mean instead of, you know, you paying a private company to look after when you're old, um, it's done as an NHS currently is, where you have money taken out of your taxes in a more equitable fashion, and then that is turned into decent jobs, decent careers, people who then look after, you know, uh, the elderly people or people with, with particular needs um, from a much more solid position. And... I think what we would, you know, what we lose, if you like, is the international aspect of the job. So if if, if we think about uh, a job uh, in, say, something like, which currently might be tourism, where you might have, you know, a, a good smattering of international visitors, those visitors might be more local, and those visitors might be, you know, not spending so much money, maybe, in some cases. Um, so you need to think about how you redistribute your income across different um, parts of society, how you have more moderate expectations. Again, easy for me to say, but more moderate expectations in terms of your consumption, how far you go abroad on holidays. But of course, those jobs are still there. And similarly, you know, we, we can use our landscape to grow food in different ways, which are maybe um, more inclusive at the moment. You know, we, we've got um, an issue about the way in which we um, use our landscape in various ways, you know, with, with not many people engaged with that. Wherever you think of Welsh farming, wherever you think of Welsh forestry, most people have no stake in the Welsh landscape. You know, how can we open up some of these resources to people in ways um, that, that create employment and also, you know, um, create higher levels of well-being? How much does this kind of um, vision you have 
obviously you can see that whereas does it has the independence is the vehicle to, for that change but how much does it depend also on other countries acting similarly or would that impact uh, negatively on Wales? Well, I, I think that's a really, really interesting question. Uh, and, you know, w- one of the problems I have with s- some parts of the independence kind of um, uh, vehicle, if you like, um, is that it's 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 naive that some of these really hard choices. You know, uh, you know, the, we, we tend to have a narrative sometimes that, that because we've got water or because we've got um, electricity generation that, that things would be easy. And I don't think they will. So, you know, I think we it would be helpful if, if there was a um, a way in which we could partner with um, other people. You know, I, I can imagine a situation where you have um, a, a spread of genuinely um, carbon aware and sustainable nations across Europe and you know when our wind is not blowing we simply borrow some Spanish community solar PV and when the sun is not shining the Danes borrow some of our tidal you know community owned tidal uh, lagoon or whatever it is you know so I certainly think the partnering on on a cooperative basis rather than a uh, a competitive basis would be a really interesting part of this and you know and where there is you know I always think that, that if we had 20 years ago 30 years ago when this first came up decided to go full speed for a properly renewable Wales and we we taken the Danish route you know of, of, of yeah. probably getting off fossil fuels um, as far as we could although Denmark isn't completely off yet of course um, then when it comes to even people you know who I might think uh, you know not great investors like say Google who are looking for a new re- renewably powered server farm location, we would be at the front of that queue, wouldn't we? You know, um, especially armed with things like the Food Generations Act, which which shows a genuine um, kind of attempt to be more kind of responsible in the way we do our business. We would have been there um, as a nation with an offer which was a, a, an integrated and viable and believable offer around, around being somewhere you could come and do really good green business. Now, I don't think it's too late, but I don't think we're getting along that path very quickly as part of the British state, are we? No. I mean, and this is interesting in terms of what, what the kind of parallel which comes to my mind is the decision the Estonians made with independence at the beginning of the 1990s, partly because you know the tele- telecommunications infrastructure is so weak uh, but they decided to almost leapfrog and go straight for Wi-Fi and stuff like that mm-hmm. and became world leaders. They almost had skipped a generation, literally, yeah. in terms of the leaders of the country. So do you think something like that should be happening in Wales or you'd like to see something like well, that? Well, I, I, mean, I, I mean, I would. And I think the, you know, the, the the question is, do we have... I th- so I think, you know, with the Free Generations Act, we've got the stuff which tells us where we think the country wants to go. You know, because it was quite an extensive national conversation, um, you know, that, that happened in 2004. 13, 14, uh, you know, which I think did, did kind of sketch out a more progressive Wales and what we'd be really interested in. The, the, the act itself is very bureaucratic, of course, and a bit of a nightmare in many ways. Um, but the question is how we get there, you know, so and, and how we think about, you know, I, I always, there's some really great, great writing on when, when you are going through a period of societal transformation, the question is not what, not what you want, but what you can afford to leave behind, uh, I think right. Jared Diamond says this is but collapse. You know that yeah. that when the when the Vikings um, were kind of sitting in Greenland and trying to um, trying to survive, what couldn't they leave behind? They couldn't leave behind their livestock. They couldn't leave behind sheep and cows and start eating seals like the Inuit did. And so yeah. they, they they failed. 
because there yeah. was stuff, stuff they couldn't leave behind. And for us in Wales, the question is, if we, if we want to genuinely build a progressive state, which is globally responsible, what are we prepared to leave behind? You know, what is it that, that, that we can do without? My suspicion would be if we really care about community, uh, communitarianism, and we really care about the language, and we really care about um, having a, uh, a Wales which is built on solid foundations, then it's this, this kind of... Um, you know this really expensive consumer stuff that we have to do so much you know if, if you want to run two cars and have a nice semi detached house with a drive you have to have two jobs in a household and two decent jobs in a household and that means being part of the system which doesn't allow you i mean dave graber said this in a really good book called um, bullshit jobs you know the problem about working for a living is not just that it takes your time but it takes all your mental energy so by the time you get to friday at six o'clock you you have no intellectual kind of headroom to be an interesting person who wants to do different things and i think that's really i mean he's dead now david but um he, that was really astute observation that when you get into this kind of rat race in order to have you know the big house with the mortgage and the cars and all that kind of stuff on the iphone you you're not a rounded enough person to look at alternatives because you don't have time to develop in that way and that's quite a philosophical point but i think a really important one a four-day week ubi all these things which might or might not work are different ways of thinking about life which give you more time to think about what you where you're actually going in life well, I think, Calvin, that's the, the great place to finish this interesting conversation. We could go on again, and I think it, I'd like to have a conversation with you on Radio Yes Company sometime in the future because there's so much happening and so much to think about. And I think, you know, independence is a vehicle for change. There's also a journey on that, I think, which maybe we need to change as well uh, before reaching that. And there's so much we can be doing. But the great takeout for me, I think, is stopping the leaking from the Welsh economy, the way we spend try and keep things local and maybe starting to think again about how we actually spend the money we have uh, to generate jobs and keep jobs here. Mm, yeah, uh, Professor Calvin Jones, uh, it's been a pleasure to speak to you. We will have you again on Radio Yes Cymru, but until the next time, uh, take care and thanks for making time to speak to us. Thanks, Sean. I thoroughly enjoyed it. See you soon. Take care. Yes. 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 Cymru Radio. Yes. Independent yes. news and views for an independent yes. nation. Yes. yes.